1: the Hornets Hivecast, the podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber. It is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us, and a pleasure and a privilege to have our guest today, Hornets play-by-play broadcaster Eric Collins. Eric, how are you?
0: Hey, I'm doing great, and Sam, hey, you shortchanged yourself. We are both Hornets play-by-play broadcasters. We both kind of made it to the Hornets, and uh, glad to have you here. Congratulations. I know a lot of people wanted that job, and uh, and you got it, so... uh, Kudos to you, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you in the years to
1: come. Me as well. It is just an absolute thrill to be here. And, you know, you and I have a a lot of common traits in terms of our path here to Charlotte and common acquaintances since we both spent some time on the West Coast prior to coming here, and everyone raved about Charlotte and raved about you. So I can't wait for this pandemic to be over so we can have the quote-unquote normal occurrences of getting to go out on the road and get to know each other better.
0: Yeah, I'd love to shake your hand at some point. Simple things
1: like that. (laughs) I know it's very meeting someone socially distanced never gets normal, does it? Well, it's a new season. Let's start with the Hornets. We'll we'll get into broadcaster stories in a little bit, but let's start with the new season here for the team. You've been with the squad for a handful of years. But there's some new energy around the Hornets that I don't think has been here necessarily in the past with the addition of Gordon Hayward and the drafting of LaMelo Ball. Put it into context for a new guy in town. How exciting of an offseason was this for the franchise?
0: You know what? I'm uh, I'm over the moon right now with, with what I'm seeing. Uh, I was high on the younger players that have been getting playing time in years past. I was here, my very first year was the last year that the Hornets made the playoffs, so it was 2016. Uh, and then, you know, struggle to try and keep a veteran team together and get better for a while. And that didn't work. So uh, Mitch Kupchak coming in as the general manager and, and pivoting and going young and proving that he's got a nose for talent. It's just it's so wonderful to know that you don't have to have a top three pick to be a player in the draft. You know, the hearts have gotten production out of Devontae Graham in the second round. You know, Cody Martin in the second round is a player. Jalen McDaniels is a rotation guy. They got him in the second round. They've got undrafted free agents who are in the mix. And now to have other free agents come on board that have talent and want to play here, like Terry Rozier, who has been so solid. Uh, Everyone who was wondering, okay, what's what's he going to bring to the team two years ago, there's no doubt anymore. You know, Terry Rozier is a fantastic two-way player who makes big shots, who shoots a good percentage, who is tough, who shows up, who's available. Uh, and I just think it's wondrous that the fact that we have him for another year and a half, and who knows after that. And Gordon Hayward, exactly what anyone would have wanted. You know, I've heard people around the country say, oh, my goodness, the Hornets, they could have had so much cap space if they waited until next year for free agency. Well, why? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And Gordon Hayward wanted to play here now at a number that the Hornets could afford. You know, it's one of those things, too, where people say, well, you're, what about your salary cap? Well, there's also a salary floor. You know, you have to spend the money on someone. And why not spend it on someone who's an all-star, who's in the prime of his career, who has shown through the first three games that he is a vibrant offensive player who can create something out of nothing and helps you win games in the fourth quarter? You know, I just think that there's so many positives going on with what the front office has done and the new players that have come in over the last three or four years.
1: I am 100% with you on Gordon Hayward. He, he was signed before I was even added here, so I, I had this opinion before I was working for and with the team, but it is not as if the Hornets were not going to be targeting Gordon Hayward next year if he hadn't opted out of his contract and, and stayed in and was a free agent after this season. You're getting him younger. You're getting him more, more time in the prime of his career, and – I mean, as you said, a number that is affordable. I think people look at max contracts or or those of the like and say, "Well, if it's not LeBron, then you've overpaid for someone." No, there there's forty some, fifty some players who have contracts of this size, and I don't think anyone can honestly name. 40 players that are better in the NBA than Gordon Hayward. I think you'd have a hard time naming 2025.
0: Oh, we've seen it. I just think he's going to be a joy to watch. I love the style of basketball that he has. Uh, he's never in a hurry. Uh, he's He makes everyone around him better. You know, if you need a rebound, he can get your rebound. You know, you need someone to set up the offense, he can set up the offense. If you're down a bunch and you need a quick three, you know, I've got confidence taking him taking that shot. If you run him off the three-point line, you know, he can get to the cup or he can stop mid-range and he can make a shot. You know, there's just so many fun things involved with Gordon Hayward. And I'm just thrilled at the possibilities that he brings because, you know, last year at the end of the season, I love Devontae Grant. You know, he's my guy. I think he's sensational. But he was running on fumes, man. They were, you know, it seems like they're throwing seven guys at him. You know, there's waves of defenders coming at all times. And now all of a sudden he can catch his breath a little bit. And instead of having to be the number one option, you know, he can be the number two option, the number three option. He can utilize his passing even better. I mean, all of a trickle-down effect that happens when you have kind of keynote guys with Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, and now everyone can kind of fit in their spot and, and figure out where they, they land. Even the P.J. Washingtons and the Miles Bridges of the world, you know, they, they've got a little bit of a chance to not be that number one alpha male, and they can just be and develop at their own pace. So... I'm kind of bummed it's only a 72-game season. You know, I want all 82. I want to see what this team can be.
1: Well, with some luck, there will be more than 72 games in this season, right?
0: Uh, I like it. You're talking my language.
1: The other new addition that everyone was buzzing about, LaMelo Ball, third overall pick. Tell me when the first time was that you became aware of him. Were you obsessed with Ball and the family like so much of the country was? What was your first impressions of LaMelo, and when were they?
0: You know, I actually, I was late to this party. I never watched the reality show. I actually never once saw Lonzo play when he was at UCLA. I was just getting started with the Hornets, and I was doing, you know, I was working with adults only. You know, I didn't pay attention to the to the kids playing at the college level. So let alone, you know, I wasn't paying attention to what LaMelo was doing as a, as a freshman or a sophomore at Chino Hills High. So I'm, I'm late to the party on this. I, I obviously got swept up like everyone else did. When Lamello's father became kind of this, this big talking head and was on all these different networks. And, uh, you know, so I, I hadn't seen much of him, truthfully. I, I'm not a big guy with the Australian Basketball League. Uh, I don't watch much Lithuanian basketball. So I didn't see Lonzo play anything, like a highlight, of anything until he came to Charlotte. And literally, the first time I saw him dribble the basketball was a preseason game against the Toronto Raptors. And uh, it blew me away. You know, it's, I think there's a lot of things that he is going to get a lot better at. But there's certain things that he does right now that just a handful of humans in the world can do. You know, it's the passing with either hand. It is the impetus to always be going 120 miles an hour the minute you get the ball. It's the vision where you see every single thing on the floor and then some. You know, that's, that's what's going to separate him. I, I think he's going to be a better shooter and a better scorer. But right now, just the things that he inherently does are so different and so good. You know, you can just see where the sky's the limit for this guy and for the team when he eventually grows and becomes a man in full. He's 19 years old right now, and he's just kind of getting the experience that everyone needs. But a blind man can see that he is different than everyone else out there. And uh, I just think that there's so much excitement regarding what he can be down the road.
1: The impression most people had of the draft was there were three players that were at the top, and everyone else might be a a tier below. And so that uh, unless something very strange happened, the Hornets' decision probably should have been pretty easy. I don't think it necessarily was because of that, but because they got the guy that they targeted. But it it really is striking that so many people tried to make the fit one of the other two guys when watching him play. LaMelo Ball seems to fit this franchise perfectly in playing that up-tempo, unselfish brand of basketball that James Borrego wants and that Mitch Kupchak has designed this roster for.
0: I'm with you on that. You know, in years past, James Borrego, who I think is just brilliant, uh, has been talking about pace and he's been talking about moving the ball. And for all the positives that the Hornets had last year, outplaying their expected record, the Hornets did not play at a quick pace. You know, they were towards the end of the NBA in terms of speed of play. So I I think that was just kind of the nature of the beast. It was who they were and trying to figure out where the shots were coming from. And that's just what it was. But when you infuse a Lamelo ball, all of a sudden into this, it changes everything. And immediately you can go from the bottom end of the NBA in pace to the top end, just by one guy. And just because of the way that he wants to play and the vision that he has and the commitment that he has to that style. The Hornets were looking for years and years and years for a difference maker. And they've got great players. They've got fantastic players right now. But now they've got an outlier—a guy who looks different, who plays different, who thinks different. I'm really excited to see what he can be, because he's something that the Hornets franchise has been longing for. You know, someone that is just—I don't—you can't account for. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really fun to watch this kid grow.
1: More with Eric Collins in a moment, but want to remind you all to download the Hornets app on your mobile device for access to all new features and exclusive content that you don't want to miss. That includes the game day experiences for every game this season, giving you information and digital activations. Available only through the Hornets app. Eric Collins, play-by-play voice of the Charlotte Hornets, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Both of us spent some time out west. Both of us had worked for ESPN and Fox Sports prior to coming here to the Queen City. And when we met from six feet apart, socially distanced, one of the first things you told me when we met here is you're going to love Charlotte, especially having a family. What was one of the first things that helped you fall in love with the city of Charlotte.
0: You know, people aren't going to believe this if you live here because I guess sometimes people think the traffic is bad here, but the traffic is nothing compared to LA, Chicago, you know, San Francisco, some other spots. And uh, I, I love the fact that you can get from A to B so quickly. I can get to the arena and back in 12 minutes. And that's just so liberating. Back in Chicago, you know, I would get the parking lot outside the United Center but a half hour after the game. And I still, it would take me 15 minutes just to navigate the parking lot the people kind of getting onto the streets and what have you and now in that 15 minute window i'm back in my home you know hanging out with my feet up on the chair so i love the fact that that there's big city availability here in charlotte every single thing you'd ever want to do you can do here in charlotte but you don't have to deal with the crowd you don't have to deal with the traffic and all the other trappings that come with living in some massive urban sprawl I remember living in Chicago, and one of my best friends in the world—like literally the best friends in the world—came to my father's funeral. You know, it's just a huge part of my life. Uh, I've actually never met his daughter because he lived out in Schaumburg, which during certain times of the day is a two and a half hour commute just to get one way from where I lived. And it's just—it's. I hate the fact that your life is limited to a certain extent just because of traffic. I don't think that that's something that should put, you put—you know—a border on your life. And that doesn't exist here in Charlotte. You know, you can get from the north side of the city to the south side of the city to the airport, to wherever you want to go. It's if you're going in your car for more than 25 minutes, you made a mistake. And I think that's just so fantastic. And the way that I was welcomed here when I first got here and the way that this place is just changing day by day by day. It's been a great decision for me to come on down with my family.
1: I feel the same way. You you replaced Steve Martin, a legend in the industry, a legend in this community, uh, who I've had the pleasure to talk to once already now, and just you know what a what a special person, what a generous human being with his time and i just couldn't have been happier having that conversation look forward to having many many more but for you you know sitting in his chair right away you've done that as well with vin scully taking some of his reps for him as he started to bring down his travel schedule what what was that like for you as an announcer
0: well night and day you know obviously I, i had a job share with with vin scully in la for five years and that was um Vin was still doing his thing, and I'm not Vin. And uh, I don't sound like Vin, don't look like Vin. <laughs> I don't carry myself like Vin. There's no similarities at all. Um, there's a two-man booth as opposed to Vin doing it all by himself. And the big issue was coming here to Charlotte was fantastic because of the way I was welcomed. And a lot of that had to go, you know, with, with Steve Martin. You know, the powers that be, you know, Seth Bennett, Mike Cristaldi, Fred Whitfield, uh, the smart people who decided how we were going to go forward with our television and radio when I started in 2015 when Steve wanted to move over to radio that the opening came for TV and that was perfect for everyone involved I felt because I got a chance uh, to work for three years doing TV with Steve five feet away doing radio and so I was able to learn from him and he was very open with help, suggestions with every single thing I could possibly ever want. And he was still in the mix. And so people could get their Steve Martin fix. And it wasn't just this quickly, let's cut off from Steve and move on to Eric Collins. And and Steve was unbelievably welcoming to me in the sense that whenever anyone asked about me, he would lie. And I think that's great. People would say, Steve, what do you think about the new guy? And he would always say, he's great. I think he's wonderful. And he didn't know because as you know, Sam, The person that you'll never hear is me and the person i'll never hear is you because if i'm doing a game you're doing the game and we're in the same spot so i can't listen to you and you can't listen to me and so it was the same thing with steve martin he actually never heard what i was doing but he gave me the benefit of the doubt and so when people wanted to know if you know i had been knighted by steve martin he said yes i like this guy he's a good guy give a try he sounds fantastic on the air but it really was something that he had no knowledge of but he was just trying to be nice And I think a lot of guys in this business would have just said, oh, I've never heard him before. Oh, I don't know. And uh, he chose the opportunity to be nice and to give me a break. And uh, I'll never forget that. He is an absolute prince. And it is an honor for me to just, and actually, I always want to correct people. When people say the television voice of the Hornets, to me, that's not me. To me, I've got to put another 25 years in before I'm even in the same sentence with Steve Martin. I feel so strongly about that guy as a broadcaster and as a person.
1: Well, I can't agree with you more about who Steve Martin is and and initial impressions for me, but I'm sure they are going to uh, resonate for a long, long time in my career. I will disagree with you on one thing. We have heard each other before because the first game we had for the regular season, we were shouting at each other across the arena as the only people there, and and I'll never forget this, you said, hey, if you need a bathroom break, just let me know and I'll yell louder and your mic will pick it up.
0: <laughs> that is, I actually talked to Steve Martin just a couple of days ago and uh, just trying to stay connected with him, and it's fantastic how he reaches out to me. And I said, Steve, you know, you saw everything, literally everything, during your 30 years here at the Hornets. But this is one thing that you haven't seen, and I bet you never would have thought about this. When I was doing a game, the very first one of the year, and Sam Farber and I were on opposite ends of the arena looking at each other, When there's six people in the entire building and trying to call a game off of a monitor. That was surreal, and uh, it just blew my mind. And I said it repeatedly to my partner, Del Curry. I was like, Sam has just got to be – his head must be just getting ready to spin because he's doing this fantastic job. He's got this opportunity of a lifetime – and his first NBA regular season game, he's doing it in an empty arena. Like it, it, the the people who are actually playing the game are five hundred miles away, and it just was so unique. And it's something that you and I will have stories to tell about for years and years and years to come.
1: There is no doubt about that. One more thing on the on the you know announcer side of it you know i think that we have in common we're not shy about getting excited and this is a team and its style of play provides an awful lot to get excited about how much fun is it for you i know i'm having a blast but how much fun is it for you to work with a team that right now is averaging i think number 4 on SportsCenter center top plays per game
0: <laughs> that's awesome uh, i guess i didn't really kind of differentiate between great plays and just kind of really good plays cuz so i kind of don't on the broadcast I get excited when, you know, Miles Bridges makes a a 15-footer up the backboard. You know, I just – in the first quarter, that kind of does it for me. Uh, But that is cool. You know, it's – I I, I realize that I'm going to have to change my style a little bit because Dell and I have always had this relationship where it's it's really conversational and we talk and we kind of ask each other questions and we move back and forth. But the minute LaMelo Ball comes into the game, there's not that normal kind of announcer – wasteland time when the ball is going between one free throw line to the other to set up the offense. Like, that's usually a time when Dell and I can kind of just come up with something and, and talk about it. But during that window, that's when LaMelo is throwing the ball forward and he's throwing three-quarter court alley-oops. And I've already been burned a couple of times because I'm telling some story about, you know, some guy growing up in, you know, some wheat farm in Kansas. And the next thing I know, Miles Bridges is on the receiving end of a 70-foot alley-oop. So I've got to figure out that uh, there's less time For me to paint the picture, and I need to kind of be more on my point with my play-by-play because LaMelo changes the dynamic. He changes the game, but he changes the broadcast as well. So that's kind of a cool thing for a 19-year-old kid to have under his belt three games into his NBA season.
1: We're going to break down tonight's matchup with the Dallas Mavericks in just a moment, but I want to give you a reminder. You can shop our best-selling Hornets classic gear and jerseys right now by visiting hornetsfanshop.com. You can get all your latest Hornets gear. Eric Collins, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. It is segment three. It is a game day, Eric. We got work tonight. Hornets taking on the Dallas Mavericks, Uh, a matchup with Luka Doncic, one of the fantastic MVP candidates here in the NBA. What excites you about this particular matchup for the Hornets, especially coming off the win over Brooklyn?
0: Yeah, I want to see if the Hornets can can keep it up. You know, that was such a fantastic win on Sunday against Brooklyn. I've actually felt that the Hornets played very well the entire year with the exception of two quarters. They had a bad second quarter in Cleveland, and they had a bad third quarter at uh, during the home opener against Oklahoma City. But for the most part, they have been a good team that I like watching and I like the peripherals. The Hornets obviously have good muscle memory with Dallas. We split the two games with them last year. We actually, you know, saw the Hornets win down in Dallas, one of the most exciting games of the year. So the guys who are holdovers know that they can do it. And it doesn't look like Dallas has been, you know, the world beater that they were hoping to be so far. Yeah, you know, they lost their first two games. They had that huge win over the ring. That was an eye-opener. But some small things. No, Seth Curry. Seth Curry killed the Hornets last year. The game when Dallas was in Spectrum Center and Dallas won. So Seth, of course, is no longer there. He's now in Philadelphia. And maybe that historically great offense run by Luka Doncic is is not the same quite yet. You know, as you know, Kristaps Porzingis. I think it's a winnable game. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, but the Hornets are going to be ready to go because they got that game, and then the one after that is against Memphis. And John Morant looks like he's going to be out. So all of a sudden, you know, the Hornets have a little bit of glimmer that maybe they can go on a bit of a run, but this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one because I think the world of Luka Doncic and the way he controls the game, he's going to be a handful.
1: It really is a contrast in styles in that, you know, Dallas definitely has a focal point that the offense Almost every possession is going to run through or or need to touch. And with the Hornets, while there's the star power on the Buzz City roster, Gordon Hayward can affect the game without touching the basketball for a couple of possessions. And the unselfish nature of them, it's almost better to have a guy be a distraction and keep someone's attention and allow for more one-on-one matchups than to have Gordon Hayward demand the basketball. He's so good at getting his numbers without demanding it. It really is a contrast in styles, at least from what I can see.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think it's a fantastic point. And actually, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I'm looking at the roster for Dallas, and I love Josh Richardson. I think he's a good player. Tim Hardaway, you know, okay. Trey Burke, Dorian Finney-Smith. Besides Luka Doncic at the top of that roster, with no Kristoff Porzingis, to me, I'm at the point where I can say the Hornets roster depth Man for man is comparable, if not favorable, to what we're seeing out of Dallas, you know? And with an A-note type of guy in Gordon Hayward stepping up, all of a sudden, I think people are going to look at the Hornets differently because they match up really well with the Dallas Mavericks. You know, if you go from position to position, I like P.J. Washington. I love Terry Rozier. I think Devontae Grant is special. I think Miles Bridges is a six-man energy guy coming off the bench. I think he's unique. The center spot, you know, it is what it is with Cody and Bismarck filling in and doing his best. But I think that this is a game where in years past, we've like, ah, oh, let's see if the Hornets can steal one. Now I'm almost to the point where I'm like, okay, I think the Hornets can go toe-to-toe here. And I think that, uh, you know, if the Hornets play their normal, really solid, airtight game, I think that they've got more than a puncher's chance of winning down in Dallas. So it's it's going to be fun for me to watch.
1: And I think after the win against Brooklyn, that's going to be the feeling For most games, if not all games, there's certainly teams like Brooklyn, like the Lakers who, you know, with their star power and their proven ability to go deep in the playoffs, uh, I'd be a bit aggressive to say, well, the Hornets are going to be favored against everybody. But they'll be in most games at this stage of the season, three games in with what you've seen. What are your expectations right now in terms of wins and losses and the potential to end this playoff drought?
0: Well, I'm just so upset. Um, that at least for the foreseeable future, that fans can't come to Spectrum Senate because this is a team that, that people can really rally around. And that being said, I do feel an enormous responsibility to kind of get it right. You know, if if you and I are, are really the only two people with Dell Curry and, and the people that I work with on the TV side, but if we're the eyes and the ears of all the Hornets fans, you know, it's uh, we've got some big-time responsibility to make sure that the only look that they get at this year's Hornets um, is a proper one. So that being said, I think that this is a team that can make the playoffs. You know, I think this is a team that, you know, who knows? They're young and they're still figuring it out. And there's guys who are gonna take jumps. At this point last year, we had no clue that Devontae Graham was gonna finish the year averaging eighteen point two points per game. You know, this time last year we had no clue what the Hornets had in PJ Washington, that he was gonna be a guy who could potentially be a double double for a ten year window. You know, the Hornets didn't really know what they had out of Terry Rozier. He was a guy who was coming over from Boston who was an eight-point-a-night scorer. So uh, there's guys who are going to make leaps. And, uh, you know, there's young players like LaMelo Ball, who are just an absolute total wild card. Is he going to be a huge force by the end of the year? Is he still going to be on that developmental curve? Where is he going to be? But I see this team as being a team that, in a 72-game season, why not? 40 games, sure. I can see them winning 40, winning more than that. I think this is a team that can make the playoffs. I think this is a team that can win a round of the playoffs. Why not? I just think this is so early in the season, and there is potential with solid players if they stay healthy and if they continue to grow. uh, I'm not going to put any cap on what they can do. I I feel that strongly about where the Hornets are as an organization right now.
1: Eric Collins, play-by-play voice of the Hornets. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Hornets Hivecast, and we look forward to doing it many, many more times over this season and over the years.
0: And Sam, uh, thank you for having me on. And my one bit of advice is if anyone offers you liver mush, please say no, okay? No liver mush. No liver mush. Don't do it.
1: First thing about Charlotte, or is this a Charlotte thing or this is a general life thing that someone has said, don't do that?
0: Well, if you're going to have liver mush anywhere in the world, I would trust the Charlottesians to give you a good bowl of it. But as a general rule, if you see liver mush on a menu, stay away from it.
1: Find something else noted noted Eric thank you again and have a great call tonight that will do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast an invitation to tune in tomorrow and you'll get the breakdown of tonight's contest in Dallas against the Mavericks for Eric Collins I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast